Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. If you're looking to grow your law practice, who's going to be taking care of what you're doing today? There's a reason that the fastest growing law firms that we've interviewed on this podcast all swear by SOPs, and that's because that enables them to focus on new things without stuff falling apart once they leave the room. Sweet Process was designed from the ground up to help teams ranging from solos plus freelancers to enterprise scale law firms create and manage the SOPs that allow your team to execute correctly every single time. And at the end of the day, that allows you, the owner, to work on your business, create new process, or even kick back and relax every once in a while. And for a limited time, listeners of the Law Firm Growth Podcast will be able to upgrade to a 28-day free trial by going to sweetprocess.com slash lawfirmgrowth. Again, that's sweetprocess.com slash lawfirmgrowth. See what process can do for your firm by signing up today. So I got the idea of recording this podcast after speaking with a longtime client of ours. So just as far as an overview, she's super on the ball, constantly keeping track of what other people are doing in her market. And she sent me a post from somebody that works with her practice area in a different part of the country. So to make a super long story short, this attorney was offering a virtual service statewide for a reduced price and selling it through a Facebook post that was either to her network or maybe it was like a boosted post or something like that. So me and my client ended up going into discussion about whether it made sense to have a similar post to her ad, which at current was to a webinar. And in the process of talking through this, we came on a metaphor that I think is going to be really, really useful for any decision that you need somebody else to make. And technically, this could be a prospect, but it also could be an employee or even yourself. So let's get started. So the first thing is that everyone knows that people will try to avoid pain and pursue pleasure. Generally, at the end of the day, animals and even single celled organisms are going to do that. But the more complex the organism gets, the less black and white things end up being. So I kind of like to think of this and any decision that somebody makes as a potential fork in the road. Anytime that you need somebody to make a decision, you need to present them what the fork is, the, the sign that goes in one direction, the sign that goes in the other direction. So at this point, let's go back to the virtual services attorney. This is a fork in the road that they are presenting to whoever sees that post. So option one, if you see this Facebook post, is you keep scrolling on Facebook. Option two is you engage with the post to start a process that's most likely going to end up in you writing a check for more than $1,000. So in my opinion, for the average person that's just browsing on Facebook, that's not a super compelling offer. And I would guess that most people would keep scrolling. If somebody is actively in the market, and just heard a quote for $3,000, then it might be a good option. But I'll just say that there's probably fewer people like that than you'd, you'd kind of imagine, right? In other words, the person who's making that post doesn't have a tremendous amount of leverage on the interaction. Like this isn't some sort of a godfather offer they can't refuse. Any leverage coming into that situation, just like the person who had seen the offer that would be more expensive is, is effectively out of their control. You're, you're basically praying that somebody's going to have seen a worse situation before they see that post. And it's not to say that she couldn't or wouldn't get business from a post like this. But from an efficiency perspective, in my opinion, there are ways that will get a much higher percentage of the eyeballs that are looking on a post like that to take a next step. And the way that we're going to do that is through a concept that's called emotional leverage. So this is something that I first heard about from Tony Robbins, I believe, but I think it's a really powerful metaphor that explains a lot of things in the way that people behave. 
So going back to pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain for a moment. Things really aren't black and white. No, we're not amoebas that are deciding whether to inch towards a pile of sugar and and some primordial goop or avoiding a flame, right? We're always running calculations in our mind on the next step that we're going to take. So for example, does the prospect that's in your office today take definite pain, air quotes, in the form of watching their checking account go down by $5,000 to fund your retainer or risk going the DIY route for what it is that you'd potentially be doing for them, right? At the end of the day, people move forward when they feel that the cost of moving forward is less than the cost of standing still, or that the pleasure of moving forward would be greater than the pleasure of standing still. And everyone really has a different threshold for this. And it kind of has to do with your psychology, a lot of other factors. But if you look at these kind of crazy extreme examples, um, like addictions, that kind of stuff, other bad habits, some people literally need to hit rock bottom to really have the ability to change their habits. That would be somebody who's very comfortable with the status quo. And this could be because of, I wouldn't say delusions, but beliefs that they have in their mind, that kind of thing. But other people have a lower threshold. They can make a move on a dime, right? There's actually this really fascinating study that I want to bring into the, uh, the fore here, but it was by a uh, neuroscientist named Antonio Damasio. So he was studying the effect of emotion on decision-making, and he had a really interesting uh, test group with people who had brain damage that prevented uh, the access to the amygdala, which was important for processing emotions. So essentially, these people were the you know proverbial Dr. Spock, totally logical, no emotions in place with them making decisions. And you might think that this would be a huge benefit, but in reality, these people were living their lives completely paralyzed by the simplest decisions, right? Most of them required like, you know, in-person help on the day-to-day because they wouldn't be able to choose what pair of socks to wear, whether they wanted apple juice or orange juice with their breakfast, like that kind of thing. Any of these things would really stump them. So, and the hypothesis that was kind of generated as a result of the study was that the emotional component is actually gets people to move forward, right? So... Even though there is a logical dimension to it, there's always an emotional component as well, right? So for that person considering the retainer, right? $5,000 for a retainer is an objective cost, but ultimately it's what $5,000 represents in that person's mind emotionally, right? $5,000 is a lot of money to some people. $5,000 is nothing to other people. $5,000 if it's going to save you $50,000 is a small price to pay. $5,000 if it's you know something you can maybe do yourself isn't something you're really going to consider, right? And that all has to happen by what you've painted for them that's attached to the retainer, which forms one side of the fork in the road and the outcome that you've p- painted for not moving forward with you, which is the other side of the fork in the road. So I'll go into an example that we're really familiar with, and um, this is just like a really cut and dry cost, right? So let's talk about statutory fees for probate. In um state of like California, uh, there's the state-mandated fees for somebody in your office, let's say they have an estate of $500,000, they could be looking at north of $20,000 in probate fees if they have both an attorney and a state representative. So these are the cut and dried plain facts. If the person in your office was Dr. Spock, they would go for it every time. But, you know, if you've ever lost a deal, which I'm sure most of you people are, unless you have a fantastic referral-based practice, everyone's lost a deal. Everyone knows that that's not the case. So when and how you bring up the information makes all the difference, though. So I'm going to present a couple of options for how to present this information. I want you to think about which would be the most impactful out of the following. Well, option one, responding, but... It's going to be over $20,000 if you end up not having anything in place after they tell you the price that you just presented is too expensive. Option two, having a spreadsheet of estate values and the estimated probate costs laminated on the door to your office and on a sheet in front of them. 
And option three, building a case to introduce the price right before you ask them and they're ready to move forward. And I'll wait just a minute. Imagine the uh, Jeopardy music in your plane. And let's go ahead. All right. So in practice, the best option by far is going to be option number three. When the information's in their head right before you mention your price, you've created the fork in the road for them. There are some other things we can do to make it even stronger, but I'll get to those in a bit. The problem with number two, the laminated information with the charts and all that kind of stuff is that the information was presented, but there's a really good chance that they're not thinking about it heading into the price. You know, they passed the sign for the fork in the road, so to speak, like 20 minutes back, and they're not really sure what they're deciding in between by the time it comes to ask the price. So we're not talking about $5,000 versus $20,000. It's $5,000 versus I don't want to think about this right now or $0. So basically, the failure of option number two is that you're kind of assuming that the people are going to keep the information in their mind or your prospect isn't a computer at the end of the day. You need to respect their attention span. And in practice, the most successful firms are assuming the attention span is going to be really low, right? And the worst option, and unfortunately, this happens to be one of the more common ones that I see when we're coaching clients, actually happens to be number one, saying it defensively on the back foot. So there's a few problems with this approach. The first one is that in this kind of fork in the road model, you're trying to get something to change after they've gotten on the ramp, right? And I always say it's 10 times more difficult to reverse a decision that somebody's already made than to preempt somebody to make the right decision in the first place. Once somebody says, I need to think about it, or it's too expensive, you're off the back foot and fighting not only to get to zero, but to actually change someone's opinion, which is very, very hard to do. This is one of my favorite quotes by Dale Carnegie. He says, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And you know, it's 2020, so there's women involved as well all the time. But basically, all that to say, using logic in a heated environment That can work in front of a judge, that can uh, work in front of a jury, but most of the prospects that you're thinking of are going to mentally shut the door after they make a decision. It's not a completely logical situation. And the reason why is that anything that you say after somebody has made that decision has a motive attached to it. Of course, you're going to highlight the costs associated with probate because they just took away a sale. Anything that you say, no matter how logical it comes out, was now going to have the taint of attempted persuasion on it. Now, I have absolutely nothing against persuasion and point blank, the firms that are making the most money pay very close attention to it, but this is not an effective way to persuade somebody. This is what people feel as air quotes salesy or air quotes hard close. And it feels just as gross, just as icky to be on the giving end of this than the receiving end. But here's the funny thing. By putting the exact same information in a different order, we've gone from salesy to looking out for the client. If we can present the information heading into the decision, we'll give them the best opportunity to make the right decision for themselves. It's kind of like the movie Inception at the end of the day. And the reality is this won't feel salesy to you and it won't feel salesy to the client. To the client, it's gonna feel like you're doing the great job of presenting the right information to them, which is exactly what you're doing. And to you, you're going to feel like you're in the driver's seat because that's where you are. So what I just described is basically an example of what can happen when we move from only considering logic to considering a prospect's motion in a sale, right? The information is important, yes, but so is the order in which you present it and how it comes off to the person that you're speaking with. 
So let's keep this going just for a little bit. You might actually be surprised to learn that the most successful estate planning firm that we've ever worked with in our webinar program is actually based in Texas, which has zero statutory probate fees. You know, there's court fees and that kind of thing, but they're uh, super negligible. And they have some really great homestead rules that give people the ability to pass on a primary residence without having too much of a hassle. So in other words, logically, there really isn't that much reason to get trust-based planning in Texas. The dollars and cents don't really add up to much. But in spite of this, the firm is able to not only charge fees that I would consider to be premium anywhere in the country, but they're also able to do it with extremely strong numbers in terms of volume and very, very consistently month over month. Now, just because there isn't much of a logical sale to be made, they've had to master the emotional sale. So instead of working up to a statutory cost, they're working up to the time cost of accessing money and property after somebody in your family dies. Uh, They're working up to the emotional cost of going through probate instead of grieving. And they're going into, you know, they're painting these pictures in incredible detail before they end up mentioning their price. So it's not about this pile of money versus that pile of money. It's this pile of pain versus this pile of money. And ultimately, I know I mentioned that there's, there's not much of a logical reason to get a trust-based planning and probate, but I absolutely think everyone should avoid probate. And there's many, many reasons to do this. And these guys have been very effective at saving families from probate, which at the end of the day is the important thing, right? And the thing is that by taking this process, it works damn near every time for these guys. They have an extremely high close rate. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and ask you to petition the state to remove statutory fees if that's where you have, but I want you to consider the emotions for a sale, right? If you have a logical component, you have a leg up on these these firms like this and firms in states like this. And a lot of people are not having high close rates like this. I think for some reason, it's, it's definitely important to consider the logic, but you can't let it be a crutch at the end of the day. The emotional sale is stronger than the logical sale. So even if you have it there, don't rely on it. So anyway, I'll conclude on that. For more information on intake, just make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. And if this has been an impactful episode for you, make sure to share this with a friend. So I'll be here next week on another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. That'll be at Tuesday, 8 a.m. Eastern on wherever fine podcasts are distributed. (laughs) Have a good one, guys. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.